Hi. You're uh, on the town with Tanya. Is this Peter Velotti? Yes, it is, sweet lady. Hi. How are you? Very good. Yourself? I'm good. And thank you so much for uh, tuning in to On the Town. And just to let our viewers know, our listeners know, uh, you're listening to On the Town podcast with Tanya Cooper and uh, poet, singer, actor, Peter Velotti. And uh, please um, welcome a very um, inspiring man, Peter Velotti. So, uh, I'm, so, I'm so proud to be on it. Uh, I'm looking forward to this. I'm so excited to have you on, and I apologize for the snow delay. <laughs> you know how the school delay, we had snow delay. Uh, right. So apologies for that. Um, so um, so I wanted to talk to you because um, a few things. Well, one, um, I know that you were uh, an actor in uh, Dash, is that correct? The Dash, right. The Dash, oh, okay. And um, who was that produced by? Uh, Chris Raphael, he wrote it, he directed it, he starred mm -hmm. in it. As a matter of fact, he won the uh, Best Actor for Independent Films. Oh, He's okay. He's a magnificent talent. Okay. <clears throat> and and Walter Crotchmole is, uh, who also had a lot to do with it, he uh, put us in our first theater. Mm -hmm. And uh, he runs uh, many things, another talented, very talented person. Oh, okay. Well, nice. You should have on your show someday. Uh, oh, no, I, I plan on it. I plan it. Um, yeah. Definitely plan on it. I just, uh, we're behind on interviews, so we'll get to it. Um, uh, what was I going to say? So <clears throat> I know that's one of the things you did, but how did you come about uh, getting into Dash? I'm just curious. The Dash? Well, I, yeah. I always loved acting, and uh, Chris Raffaelli was... Uh, a terrific baseball player of of mine. I uh, we were very similar. I was uh, on, in Pelham Bay in the Bronx when I moved from East Harlem, and while I was watching him, my my older brother Louis, who passed away, mm -hmm. uh, he said, "Wow, this young man reminds me so much of you. He he feels like you, hits like you. He has the passion." Mm -hmm. So watching him, uh, we became very very good friends, and. Um, we used to go after many years later, we would walk around the track in Pelham Bay in the Bronx, and he was always talking about being a screenwriter, and he had this magnificent passion. And lo and behold, he's got at least three short films mm -hmm. and three featured independent films. One, one is out now called The Fear. So, uh, and when we were talking, he says to me, I got a role for you. He, it was, he didn't know at the time that I never told this to anyone. And when I was forced to move to Hoppog, Long Island, I moved to Comac. There was a lot of gang fights, and my dad says, I got to get you out of here. You have to go to Comac, Long Island to live with your sis, my sister Dorothy, who mm -hmm. also passed away at 38 years old. But anyway, I went to school there in Hoppog, and I was at a dance, a school dance, and uh, sc a school uh, drama teacher, he was watching me dance, and he loved my moves, and mm -hmm. he called me over. He says to me, do, do you know uh, the play West Side Story? The movie wasn't out yet. Mm -hmm. uh, Carol Lawrence was in it, and I says, strange that I, I actually saw the play. So mm -hmm. I says, oh, yeah, I love it. I said, I love West Side Story. So he says, oh, my God, the way you speak. And at that time, I had that real Manhattan, East Harlem accent. And that made it even better for him. He says, i got to have you in, in West Side Story. He yeah. says, you can play the role of action, which I did. Yeah. And uh, amazingly, Tanya, I never let anyone know. Because in those days, yeah. my friends, East Harlem night, I'm going to be dancing, and they would think it's more of the ballet type, which it wasn't. It was all jazz, and I mm -hmm. adored it. And from that moment on, I said, I got to be, I got to I gotta act, which I always what? had that passion for. Well, anyway, going back, Chris mm -hmm. Raffaelli says, I have this wonderful role for you. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and when he saw the way I went into it, and he says, oh, my goodness, you're a natural. So that was that, and I'm so proud to be in it. And as you know, Tim Sinanti, who played the the uh, father was sensational in it because you did see the film, and Tim was just wonderful. 
Oh, okay. He said, yeah. So um, I saw some of it, and I thought it was really awesome. Um, and I think that um, you have a great future in acting. Um, you should actually sign up to do more stuff, especially, um, what do you call them, character roles? Yeah, you know, I've done uh, two uh, small uh, short uh, films, mm-hmm. and uh, one was uh, about baseball. I'm in it v- for a very short time, and the other was... Uh, Shamefully, they ran out of money, and I was a uh, co-star of that, and that just that just kills me. Okay, well, you know what? It'll it'll happen again, you know. Yeah, um, that's Hollywood's finicky like that. One day they got it, one day they don't, and you just keep it moving, and and the project's good. It'll come back or it'll resurface later, you know. That's as as you know, only only one percent uh, works steady in in the film industry, and it's actually right. actually less than one percent. So. It's a tough uh, industry, no doubt about that. Definitely, definitely. Now, um, you also, uh, you said you used to sing? Oh, yeah. Well, under the streetlights, uh, mm-hmm. constantly. I was with a lot of different groups uh, mm-hmm. in in in, uh, in East Harlem. Started mm-hmm. out with my brother, Louis, mm-hmm. and my best friend, Johnny D. Wow. My friend, Slick, and uh, another guy named Abe Lopez. Wow. And we uh, got together and we sang. We we used to do other groups. We sounded so much like them. Mm-hmm. And uh, we had a ball doing it. Just so much fun. And like what, I say, what? my best friend Johnny D and my brother Louie, we, we sang continuously to uh, Sinatra and all the doo-wop groups and Motown and, oh, just had a, just had a ball. And later on with my, with my children, I love oh. to sing. With, I recorded a few things with my with my daughter Michelle and my mm-hmm. son Peter, he would strum oh. on his guitar. He was only five. My daughter was about nine or ten. Those are just wow. wonderful, wonderful memories. So you have you have two children. You had two children. Two children, yes. Peter and, uh, passed away at fifteen, and my daughter Michelle. Okay, she, yeah, that's... she has three. Uh, she has three grandchildren who I love dearly: uh, oh. Chris, Nikki, Samantha, and my great granddaughter, mm. uh, which is oh. really. Which is Taylor, so Great. they're my world. Wow. Yeah, they're my world. Well, yeah, I I I got married at nine. I had children at twelve. So <laughs> that's what he said. And I'm only twenty-two. Right. Uh, but but that's something I wanted to um, hone in on before I talk about your poetry. Maybe to segue into it. Um, losing a son. How old was your son when he passed? Do you mind me asking? He got uh, very ill with cancer at fourteen. And he lasted four months more, and he passed away at March 8th. Of, uh, he was 15 years old. Oh, March 8th. Now, how was you able to deal with that? Is that when you started writing poetry, or you were writing before Well, that? at that awful moment, I didn't know how I could possibly go on without him. All mm-hmm. my religious and phil- philosophical feelings went astray. I, uh, I became a zombie, no doubt about that. And strangely, yeah. six months later, well, let me go back. Uh, there was his two best friends, uh, Ruben Casado and <laughs> George Chinooski. They were mm-hmm. 14, 15 years old. They came with me for four straight months, day and night. They mm-hmm. were by my side. And amazingly, these two young men, they told me when Peter got worse, mm-hmm. they said to me, if you lose your, our best friend, your son, mm-hmm. you will lose him, but you will be gaining two other sons. Uh, I, I felt I thought that was so amazing that these two young men could think along those lines, and they were so sad at the time. They loved him dearly, and and so that he loved him back. The the and today all the kids from his school, mm-hmm. where we we're all such great friends. I threw a party, uh, party for him a few years ago, my son, mm-hmm. and it mm-hmm. was his life celebration, oh, and okay. amazingly. Few people, I'd rather not mention their name. They right. said, "Oh, forget it. It's not going to happen. You're lucky you get ten people because we're doing it so many years later." Right. It so happened we got at least 140. I had to turn 40 away, wow. and amazingly, those people that were 14, 15 years old, mm-hmm. so many of them came that day. They be they're, they're great friends today. The reunion was fabulous. They came from all over, and they're all seeing each other today. So my mm-hmm. son, my son brought them all all back together. And like I said, he was so loved by all of them. Wow, that's amazing. And well, that, so that inspired you to write. Was that how you got through the healing yeah, process? Yeah, I that uh, I always wrote songs, and mm-hmm. I I wrote poetry, but I got away from it. But like I said, 
So you gave those children hope. Yeah, exactly. That is so important. Exactly. And whatever it is that inspires you to keep moving forward after the death and so on, um, you got to do it. So if it's singing, if it's acting, and those are just some of the tools. There's many things. I mean, I know people that make jewelry. Um, there's people that counsel people. I mean, some people, are, it depends on what your skill is. But for us, we, we're artists, so it works right. for us to just write. And if you have that passion, it, it, it will show. Mm-hmm. Yes, no absolutely. 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 Um, um, so your poetry, um, when, was you, when did you write the poem? That's what I'd like to know. When did I start poetry? No, when did you write your first one? Oh, my first poem? Oh, I must have been... Well, my, I actually wrote my first song when I was uh, about 12 or 13. Mm-hmm. Oh, and, wow. And I wrote about... I would say I wrote at least between 100 and 120 songs. And I hate to say this, but in all the moving that I've done through the years, of course, I misplaced them, and, oh, that just kills me, just the, the thought of it. I actually wrote a song for Patti LaBelle. Oh, really? That's... Great, great Patti LaBelle. We had so much in common, the fact that uh, if anybody saw her in concert, she always mentions that she lost three, ch- three of her sisters mm-hmm. to cancer. Mm-hmm. So I knew she was going to be appearing at Westbury, mm-hmm. and I sent her this letter, and her uh, songwriter, mm-hmm. who was a pianist, he, uh, he got back to me, and he said the song, she loves it but she can't sing it because she keeps crying. Oh. Well, it so happened that night, he, he, she got on and she said, there's someone in the audience that mm-hmm. wrote a song for me. Mm-hmm. And part of me said, oh, my God, I got so nervous. I wanted to go up. And then part of me also says, gee, I'm so, I'm so shy. I'm not going to go up there. But lo and behold, it was for somebody else. And wow. then when I realized it wasn't me, I was so aggravated by it. But... Uh, I still have the song, and someday, if she ever does it, well, hopefully she would. But like, uh, like uh, her accompanist said, that uh, it was just too sad for her. Well, yeah, no, that happens, I guess, sometimes, you know. But it's good to, you know, at least try to write something. Um, before we leave tonight, I'd like for you to to read something um, to us, if you'd like. Um, oh, sure. I got two poems special- here. Uh, the fact that it's going to be five years okay. for um, the Sandy Hook children, mm-hmm. I wrote a poem called Pity the Children. Okay. Before and you read wrote, that, what's sure. your thought on gun control before before you read that? What's your thought on gun Because you know they have it now where you're, they're trying to yeah, make it. Yeah, well, I, 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 I believe in the amendment. I believe that people have the right to protect themselves, but I also <laughs> believe that mm-hmm. there's no need to make guns the size of where they can knock out an elephant. No one, no one should have those type of guns. Well, do you think I should That's be able totally to come ridiculous. to Houston, Texas, or Florida with my gun and my permit and then go into places like New York City? No, see, I don't, see, I don't think people in New York City should be walking around with guns on their side. I, I only feel policemen and people of, of law and, and order should be doing that. Right. Uh, there's a... Uh, there's too many crazy people out there. I mean, yes, there especially what's going on today, the chaos is just uh, is it's just ridiculous. Yeah, no, it's and, crazy. And, and then we have uh, religious groups that think they're going to go to heaven, which is downright ridiculous. I don't think 72 virgins are going to be waiting in heaven to uh, have sex with you after you committed murder. So, I, you know, it's just, I believe some well, of the, I think that's just more of people, a cult than uh-huh. religion. But, well, uh, I think that's, I don't know, I, I'm funny about that. I always feel like if you're a murderer, you're a murderer, and, and religion and color has nothing to do with it. Yeah, a lot that's, of truth to that. I, I mean, you know what I mean by that? Because we can, we, I mean, I could get 5,000 callers right now who half will say this, half will say that. Oh, no doubt, I, no doubt. On murder and, and people doing murder, rape, and all those horrible crimes, that's what yeah. you, that's what you ought well, chose to you know? The shame of it. Some of our music today, as you know, it, it praises pimps, it praises gangbangers, it praises the killing of cops, it it praises things that shouldn't. And young kids, they look up to these 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 people who uh, who they consider stars. Right. And and it's a damn shame. When we grew up, the music was about love. Right. It was exactly. about uh, having fun. So yes. And 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 our movies were so much different. Now everything is about blowing up, killing, uh, nobody getting along. And, and even our colleges, they, they they forget that they constantly say there is no God. 
so many people at one time. You need a clip. I mean, it's just it's, yeah, it, 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 it never it, ends. It makes no sense whatsoever. No, it makes no. And, and why would I? Ha- why do I need a clip as a civilian? Uh-huh. Only person that needs a clip is a military person in a war situation. If they it, were and, and, it, and it ends there. You know, who, you know, who, you know who gets a thrill over all of this? The devil. The devil is having a ball watching us kill each other. He loves this kind of chaos. Guns at all, but since my friends who do, I have to respect everyone's rights and privacy. But all I'm saying is, and especially after Sandy Hook, and now you got the last week in New Mexico, the school they shot up by the three people got killed on that, and then you got, I mean, every month. As a matter of fact, I was looking at some of the stats. And you have, uh, let me get it right. If I'm not mistaken, I think um, uh, 1,700 and something people have died this year thanks to gun violence. And, Ma- matter and, of and fact. That's not including gangs. Yeah, it's not including fact, gangs in Chicago. Matter of fact, this year alone, 186 police officers were also killed. And, and I was going to say, and police officers. Now, and there's some that was horrible. Like they walked into the guy in the car and shot the partners. I mean, who does that? Who does that? Yeah. But, but remember what I said. We we'll go back to what I said earlier. If you're a murderer, you're a murderer. It doesn't matter what religion you are. It doesn't matter what color you are. It doesn't matter where you come from. Your economic level. And I'll I'll break yeah. it down. What I mean by that. Uh, Durst. Uh, Fred Durst. What's his name? Not Fred Durst. That's a musician. Uh, Durst. Uh, the guy who's the Dupont heir. You know Dupont. Right. Sure. Dupont. The, the cotton. That's like the fabric of our lives. Right. It's not, it's, not only poor, it's not only poor people that commit crimes, that's for sure. Exactly. And, and wait, not only did he commit crime, but he chopped up his best friend, okay? Yeah. He didn't just commit a crime. He just he not only killed them and axed them up, but then he chopped them up. So the point right. I'm making is you got that guy, then you got a Muslim uh, who allegedly went to the towers, allegedly. You know, I have my own theory on the towers, but we're not going to go there on that. Uh, I don't believe it was all as, as they cracked it up to be because it just didn't make sense to me that the owner of the World Trade Center – of the tower literally took out a triple insurance the day before that happened. It doesn't make sense or whatever, right before it happened, not the day before, but something I was doing some, some talking to some people and also the engineers. I know a lot of engineers. I used to work for an engineering firm and a lot of them, a lot of them said, you know, Hmm, I don't know. I know a lot about structures, but I know that if a plane crashed into the 89th floor, this is not what would happen. And so it didn't make sense. And then you, the people disintegrate. Well, everything I read on that, the way those things were built, it, the heat can't actually do that. But you, exactly. you, know, you, know, well, the other really, you know the other thing that really kills me? For instance, the, the bombing at uh, the Boston Marathon. Oh, yeah. The young man that was, uh, survived it, the creep that did it. Tony, you, do you realize that low life has gotten over 500 love letters? Huh. Love letters well, from young women. Because, and the reason is he's handsome. I mean, my God, he killed innocent people, him and his brother. Yeah. How could you yeah. send him a love letter? For you that matter, Berkowitz. Uh, uh, Berkowitz, yeah. you know, I met him another one. before. Did I tell you I met him before? I met him Yeah, you, you, you told me when that. When I was 12 years old, I, I ran into him in the store to go get the newspaper for my mother on a Sunday. And nobody knew till this day. I just told the owner of the store who's still alive. He's like 90-something years old now, but his um, his store had been closed. But I just to- at, saw him about a month ago, and I said, did you know, uh, Nick, that um, the day I came in, you know, they said something like, you look like you just saw a ghost. I went in, got the paper, turned around, and bumped into him by accident because it was kind of crowded for the store on a Sunday. Right. And um, so I was like, oh, I'm sorry. So I went to get the paper, and I got it because, slow down. You look like a ghost. You're seen a ghost. And I ran out to the car, jumped in the car, handed my mother the paper, and said, I just saw Son and Sam. And she slapped me because she thought I was lying. So long story short, the whole point of what we're saying is that I think anybody uh, has who is a killer has is a killer, and it doesn't matter. It seems like it matters, but really, if you take up all the layers like an onion, it doesn't matter, Pete, what color you are, what religion you are. You are doing what you want to do because you are evil, period. You know what but, I'm saying? Period. Yeah, but the shame of it, you have people who come out and they got every excuse imaginable. Oh, he... he, yes. he he came from a poor neighborhood. Boom. Oh, yeah. I know many people who came from, I mean, gee, I came from East Harlem. That, that, yep. That's not a, a good enough excuse. Or, yeah. or he didn't get enough love. I mean, yeah. I mean look, look at your situation. Yeah. You grew up with, 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 without your mom or dad for many, many, yeah. many years. You yeah. didn't say, gee, I'm going to be so angry, I'm going to go out there and hurt somebody, I'm going to kill. Right. Instead, you did the opposite. You went out there yeah. to help people. So yeah. those excuses that they use for, for murder is, is yeah. totally ridiculous. Poor and weak. Yes, I agree. I'm totally, totally agreeing. A friend of mine was debating that the other day, 
and I, again, I stick, I stand by. It's so strange. I was walking by the college, and there was about 12, 13 kids out there, and I heard them say, "I hate to see him leave." And I know, and I know, Bill was retiring. Mm-hmm. So I, and and I heard him say his name. So I, and I mm-hmm. got back to Bill and let him let him know that, and he was so touched by that. He's loved mm-hmm. by so many. Yes, he and, is. And, he's and, great and he's, such a, and he's such a funny comedian. As our yeah. good friend, uh, as our good friend Johnny. Yes, Johnny, I love him. He's a he's a funny guy, clever guy, and both of those guys. You know, you know, when I got into comedy, I got to say. You know, those two guys showed me so much love, and even you know, even when I quote unquote sucked, you know, uh, they were like, "Get back out there! You go back out there and you do it again! You do it!" You know, they never said, "You suck! Give it up!" You know, and sure. you can ne- you can never um, not love people like that. And you're one yeah. of those people too, who's very. I'll come to your show. You come support the foster kids. You know, uh, you yeah, know, you it, bought it, books it, to it, give it, to foster it, kids. It's so good to have some people be uh, always have you back. I have a, a, a young niece today. Who's mm-hmm. gone through hell in life? She's done mm-hmm. some bad things, but she's come back. I don't right. think she'd mind me even saying she was an okay. addict, but okay. she got strong. I, I told my family that you've got to forgive her and okay. let's bring her back into the family. Well, Tanya, this young lady, her name is Anna Liga. She oh, she did she is doing she is doing so beautiful for many many years now. She's been clean. She has oh, wonderful that's... children. And she's and she loves God and she and my does she have my back. She's only four foot nine, but she's a tough, <laughs> tough little girl, and I, and I love her to death. Oh, God bless her! I, and I, I, that's amazing. You know, uh, you know, I do addiction recovery work for uh, about seventeen years now. I took a break, but I'm going back into that field again because of the heroin addiction so bad. Uh, but I did that for a while, and and it crosses into what we were talking about. You know, death and dying and healing. Um, in that, I always think that even with that, there's there's processes uh, that you go through. But it's amazing, and she's blessed to have an, an, an uncle like you um, who is like, you know what, let's get her help and bring her back in the family because some people write their families off and be like, oh, I can't, they're embarrassing, I can't do this. And And I think that your attitude is the right attitude, that, you know what, we're human. We fall down, we get back up, let's try it again. Exactly. You know? Exactly. Especially with I did a poem. I went to uh, Hofstra University. I mm-hmm. was told that a young girl committed suicide. This was a mm-hmm. few years ago. And I directed the poem at the people that were the bullies. And I ended it with, when someone falls, mm-hmm. a strong person picks them up. That's right. A weak person puts them down. Mm-hmm. And lo and behold, some of those kids, one of them in particular, Felt he did nothing wrong. He actually felt, hey, she committed suicide. She couldn't take a joke. And I said, first of all, you weren't joking. You constantly put it down because of her weight. She wasn't pretty. And I said, and you continuously did this. How dare you say it's not your fault? The others realized that it was. But this one particular person, no pity whatsoever. And Mm -hmm. and that's a damn shame. And as you know, bullying can destroy young people. Yes, it can. But I, you know, bullying is something else because um, I, I mean, I think it does. I've seen it destroy people. Yes, um, but I think if a child um, literally commits suicide, um, I don't think it's directly just because of bullying. I think there's other issues going on that they didn't share with anybody else. And that sure. the reason why I said that I worked with a lot of mentally uh, ill children, children on drugs, uh, and I, it always comes back to childhood issues. And people that are in that cipher. So it doesn't have to be a family member, but believe me, something's going on that no one knows about um, or cares to discuss or, or hit under the rug. And that's where the, the bullying just elevates that and takes it to another level. Like, you know what? I can't even go home and get peace. I can't go to school and get peace. I just give up. So that that's a whole nother thing. Um, but I'm glad that I got to talk to you because um, you and I both know you lost your son. I lost my brother that, um, you know, death is real. And uh, so I don't think anybody should ever commit suicide because I I feel like we all have a divine purpose uh, right. here. You know what I'm saying? Even yeah, Charles there's and- a, a, a story, patients. if I have enough time, uh-huh. uh, uh, about my son that I'd love to mention. Oh, yes, of course. Well, when he was younger, uh, he was an all-star ball player um, and an honest student, and he loved people. He, he was a caring, caring, beautiful, beautiful son. Well, anyway, 
we were, I, I ran a, a little the field, and here comes Johnny. Mm. And Ruben says, oh, my Lord, this kid looks so much like your son Peter. And he did. The, uh, oh, my God, the, the lookalike was unreal. Mm. And, of course, looking like my son and taking his place was just fabulous. I mean, I, mean, <laughs> I, just, I just, I fell in love with him. And, of course, we're great friends today. And he came through with a very, very big hit, uh, tying mm. again, t- uh, tying the game up. But we did win it. And uh, he says to me, "Don't let me get up." He didn't feel he was good, and and he was, but he felt he wasn't a good hitter. And I grabbed his face. I got very close to him, and I says, "Look, I know you're going to get a hit. There's no doubt in my mind." Lo and behold, sweet lady, he absolutely mm-hmm. came through for us. Until this wow. day, I always remind him of that, and and that's a big thrill for him. Mm-hmm. So wow. uh, the, 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 my my memories with baseball is so beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, baseball is a uh, very interesting sport. My mother used to love baseball till that woman was 87 years old. You know, she would mit, mit, sit and make me watch the Yankees and oh God, everybody. And I'd be like, why? So I have a thing baseball. I can't sit too long because I'm too antsy. But uh, but it is it is a, a great sport, and I know yeah. it's, uh, it's one of my favorite that? movies is is Field of Dreams, which is oh, a great yeah. baseball movie. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good um, Field of Dreams, and there's another one with the baseball um, baseball movie that I saw. Oh well, that was a comedy with Madonna and them. Um, oh yeah, that, uh, that that was that was Field. that was actually a true story about the women's baseball. Of course, yeah. they had it, but that, that was well done. Yeah, Rosie O'Donnell and something like that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, she, yeah, she played third base. Yeah, I remember yeah. that well. Yeah, yeah. matter of fact, Tom Hanks, uh, that, that great line, there's no crying in baseball. <laughs> right, I, everybody remembers that. Everybody uh, remembers that. You know, um, when I bring it back to uh, uh, death and grieving process, I, I failed to ask you something, and I, I won't say that for our viewers because, uh, you know, I do this podcast uh, and I do my show, but, in the end, I always want somebody to listen in hopes that they heal, they hear something they've never heard before, they laugh, or they find a closure for something. So that's really why I do it. So this particular uh, podcast, I was talking about death and dying and, you know, writing through the arts, uh, you know, healing through the arts. Um, but I I failed to ask about um, family. How did they, how did they, how were they were able to deal with uh, your son passing um, were they, um, at any time, did they feel like, oh, you're forgetting about us. What about us? Even though, because, you know, I would get caught up in my brother's death. And, and yeah, I, You know, I, I'm, I'm glad that never was said to me, good. but I good. did I did have people say certain things, but not my family. That, right, uh, a, a lot of people didn't want to talk about him. That was right. a bad thing. That, okay. that made him seem like he never was alive. No right. one would mention him for years, yeah. and that, yep. that killed me. I said, I wish to God you all would, but they didn't. That made right. it worse, not, yeah. not because they were mean. They thought that was the best thing to do. But I right. remember a few things that were said when he did die, certain things that people say, which are so ridiculous. <laughs> oh, time is going to pass. That'll make things better. No, it not when it's right. a child. There's no. no way it makes it better. No, no way. Nope, you know. not at all. I but, agree. Uh, my, 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 my dad at the time was... He couldn't even go up to the casket. He said, "If mm. I do, I, I would die." He had to stay really? away. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that must hurt. That, that must have hurt. Uh, so young, you that, know. So we we always um, I I find especially when young kids die, uh, we really get really really bent because in the way we're raised and the way our society is, you know, we're told that they're supposed to be here forever and longer than us, right? But right. the truth is, we are all spirits coming through the earth to experience an experience and then go back and then eventually hopefully we'll get to a heaven state eventually um but we're all here for a short time honestly i mean 100 years is nothing that's nothing exactly time is so fast it is so fast so when someone passes away at 14 my thing now is it used to be like oh my god they're 14 this is horrible how's this going to happen oh my god you know and i tell you i had phases i went through with my brother's death i had anger first and then I had what I call um, my logic, which is I was like, why did God do that? Why didn't he take Jeffrey Dahmer? Why didn't he do this? Why didn't he do that? I'm asking God, why, 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 why? Yeah, then the I word why is so, it comes to, to every, in everybody's vocabulary. Yes, yes. Yeah. But then How I had my mad phase. Yeah, then, then I had my mad phase where I was like, you know, 
<laughs> excuse me, I can't believe this. What kind of luck is this? Or why is, why didn't anybody do CPR on him? And then I'm blaming everybody. You know, why didn't they do this? And why on one of my favorite songs ever, ever written? Um, I don't know if you've ever heard. It's a, it's a, I think it's, well, I call it a gospel, but it's a, it's a, I don't know if it's a hymnal, gospel, I don't know. But it's a soul type of church type of song. Um, <clears throat> if I can help. Somebody as I travel along in my oh, sure. till not be in vain. You remember that? Oh sure. Uh, they played, you, have lo- they, you have a lovely voice, by the way. Oh yeah, they played it at quite a few funerals of different people. Um, right. So I love that song because that's really what it's about. You're here only for a short time, and when you leave, your money can't go with you, your cars can't go with you, your friends can't go with you. The only thing that will ever keep you right. forever on this earth is the, the mouth, that the, the memories you leave on people's tongue. Like Mother right. Teresa will never be forgotten. Oh, she, what, what, a, what a great – that she is a saint. She my was idol. such a beautiful I, – I, I understand. You know, it's amazing. When it comes yeah. to females, she's my yeah. favorite. A lot of people tell me, oh, it's not an actress, it's not a singer, because you're into that. I said, no, of course not. I said, I, 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 I will praise someone who, who is good at what they do, but as far as worshiping, no, yes. that's different. I said, I don't even believe in autographs. I never asked for an autograph nope. in my life. But when nope. you talk about a people like Mother Teresa, exactly. or, or, and that, I mean, here's a now, lady. Now you're impressing me, right? What what a magnificent human exactly. being! Oh, I mean, can you believe? I mean, who who gives up all their worldly possessions and go live in Calcutta and say, you know what? I'm going to be with the people. I was and like, take oh, care I'm of lepers. Like, take care yeah. of lepers, who most yeah. people run away from. Exactly, and that, and you know, I have an affection for nuns because I lived in an orphanage. Yeah, I I, I I love nuns. I love <laughs> nuns and nurses. I'm not too crazy about doctors. There's many no. reasons why. <laughs> Well, 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 well the, the doctor misdiagnosed my son, so that that alone just blows oh, my yeah. mind. That's and got fired five years later for being a cokehead. I should have oh. sued, but at the oh, time I didn't know. Oh, I'm sorry about that. That's crazy. But you know, we can't we can't look backwards because of the fact that I thought about this with my brother too. There's nothing I can do to bring him back. So even if someone came to me today and says, "No, it wasn't a heart attack. Someone, you know, murdered him or or something else happened," I'd say nothing I can do because a he's dead and b I cremated him. So there's nothing I can do to find out anyway. And and I couldn't solve it. It's been nine years, way too long. I thank God that through him I help foster kids now. So your son, through you, because of your son, you have more. You have even more. I mean, I think you always had compassion anyway. But you're you're probably even more in tune to young people who really need help, and because you seem like a very, very good role model. And I've heard stories and rumors about you, so I know you are that guy. You know what I'm saying? It's not. That, that is act. so heartfelt. Thank you so much. No, I truly it's, appreciate I, that. I, that. That's why. That's I'm so lovely to hear. No, that's why I went to interview because I've heard few people say, this guy, man, you know, when I was young and growing up, he really took care of us, made sure we did the right thing, blah, blah, blah. So I commend you for that. And I'm so happy that you're writing poetry to help others uh, by healing through writing. And, um, you know, we only have one thing left. I I hope to complete a a book of poems very soon. Yes, that's what I was going to say. When is the book going to be done? Uh, hopefully by the next uh, two months. It won't be later than okay. that, and maybe a little okay. sooner, because I'm just okay. about finished. Oh, good. I was and then I'm also time. writing a book about my life, my son, and so that that's, that should be about a year from now. Okay, so we'll have you back on when you finish the book. You just let me know, Please. and we'll have you back on. And oh, hopefully we'll be on te- television by then. <laughs> All uh-huh. right? Yeah. And uh, I really appreciate you taking the time, Pete, to be patient with us through this snowstorm thing going on. And, getting the techie solved, uh, issue solved. I appreciate you. And um, anything you want to say goodbye to anybody? Any special well, th- thank you for having me. And, and who's ever listening, there's so many of you out there that I love and adore. And thank you for being there for my son and for me throughout the years. Uh, I appreciate nice. all of that. And uh, God bless them all. Nice and ending. Thank you, and thank you for having me. I truly – I had a ball. I really had – this half hour went – I had a board. Mo- I gave you more time than a half an hour, Pete, because I had since oh, we had technical- th- Yeah, I see. I, I just looked at the time. It is more than that. <laughs> yeah, and it was, it was just sitting back and, and, and relaxing. It, 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 was, it was beautiful. And, uh, and well, I love talking about my child. That makes him, al- makes him alive again. And that's the that's beauty right. of that. He's going to always be alive because, A, because he's in your heart, and his, his uh, name is on people's lips. So he's going to stay alive. Uh, you can believe that. And, um, and we'll make sure you let me know when the book is done. Um, uh, and this is uh, Tanya from On the Town Podcast with Peter Velotti. 
uh, poet, singer, actor. Uh, stay tuned. And anyone who calls in at exactly 11 o'clock, you can win a free DVD. Thank you, Peter. We'll talk to you soon. Take care. Good night, sweetheart. Hi. It's on the town. Hi. Is this How James Murphy? It is. It is. How are you? How are you, James Murphy? It's on the town calling. Great. Welcome. Great to hear from you. You too. You sound like you're exhausted. <laughs> well, it's been a long day. Long, long day, but huh? A long day. Self-employment has its moments, I suppose. Yeah. My sister long. tested her, had her, uh, you know, she did one of those DNA tests, and now she's trying to convince me that I'm 33% British. Oh, really? <laughs> I did mine, you know, and, and I have a Scottish, oh, I knew about the Irish. Uh, but yeah, um, African and then um, a little Israeli, which I knew. Really, princess in me always knew that I had that in me, and uh, <laughs> yeah, no, seriously. It, well, I knew that from uh, from another family member too, but um, but remember my father's side, I don't know. So some of that stuff. Ah, so that's that interesting to you. Russian and Scandinavian. Really? Yeah, and uh, <laughs> and a small percent Lithuanian. <laughs> Lithuanian? Yeah, I was could... like, what? I knew I loved They have a dartboard, I think, over there, and they just take your name, and then they throw the darts, and they go, okay, Tanya Cooper, let's give her some Lithuanian. <laughs> no, it's so weird. <laughs> my grandfather, my birth grandfather is, um, you know, was like Russian, uh, you know, I, I mean, he didn't say, they said he was British, I mean, they said he was, yeah, British and French. His grandma was from, uh, his mother was from France, and they came over here when he was younger, blah, 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 he moved to Somewhere down Mississippi, New Orleans, met my grandmother, got married. Boom. That's the story that I know. Uh, yeah. His father's side disowned him because they were, um, they were. Um, I don't know. He married a uh, mostly black woman. <laughs> he met a black woman. Uh, <laughs> Majority. You know, well, her grandfather was Irish. She, you know, she, you know, she had the. Right I, mean, I always always home. thought we were just Irish and German, and that was it. So the British, I, I don't know, maybe because Britain. And yeah. Ireland are connected. Exactly. Say before the Union Jack. Hello, they were all connected. You know. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know. That's so she. She's only a couple of years older than me, and I assume it. Unless there's any shenanigans, we have the same parents. So <laughs> I didn't do independently. No. I always thought I was from outer space, so I'm afraid to be one. <laughs> You're afraid you were originally from here. Anyway. I don't want to hear what planet I'm actually from. They might come back again. Cyborg. You're a cyborg. I already know. Cyborg, yes. <laughs> cyborg. Mechanical man. <laughs> don't worry. I don't even know. Mine doesn't even have a name, so don't feel bad. That's, that's how we probably, speaking of which, how did you get into comedy? Probably because you knew you were a cyborg. <laughs> yeah, I was always the, like, the clown of the family. My dad was a sales manager and Really, he, he used to go around at sales talk, so maybe. But he, t- you know, he introduced me to comedy when I was young. Wow! I remember Flip Wilson, F- Flip Wilson, and Laughing, and George Carlin. Yes, you remember Benny Hill? I don't know. I just, I just found found it was fun and easy for me. Not easy, but it was just comfortable, I guess. Mm-hmm. To be funny, and uh, seemed like a natural progression. Mm, and wow. to start making, try, it's fun to try and make people you don't know laugh. That's a whole different, you know, different yeah. team. Wow. Well, who's your and favorite? Parties. Comic? My favorite comic um, now it's Nate Bargatze. I just like he's he's like a, from a little town, and you know he's kind of like a, unusual. Talks about himself and his wife. And he has a very odd outlook on things, which I enjoy. It's something different. I try not to listen to too much comedy because it's it's hard that it might influence what I'm writing about. So right. unfortunately, I find it hard to listen. I I tease myself. I'll turn on the comedy channel on the radio and then quickly turn it off after a few laughs. Because it's like, oh, that's a great bit. Oh, now I can't write anything in that direction. So oh. I find myself, you know, conflicted on what I can listen to and. Yeah, I, I do the same thing though. I find I, I someone say, "Oh, do you know who so and so is?" I said, "No," and they're like, "Really?" I was like, "No." Do you have to know your competition? I have no competition. What I do is what I do. What you do is what you do. And, uh, yeah. and frankly, I don't want any ideas in my head. If 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 we happen to have the same idea, great. 
but I don't want any ideas in my head or to be, you know. When or, I started, I to to get this kind of like the schematic of it, you know, like what a setup and punchline was and how, how you could kind of give away a punchline mm-hmm. before you got to it and kind of weaken the joke and all that. And not to say that I have it down, but uh, it was interesting in the beginning. I would go to other shows and watch how comics work, especially if you see somebody you like and watch them a few different venues. Mm-hmm. I would learn how, like, oh, he took that material and it's the same material, but he rotated this and put that over there, and then he put something new in it. And, mm-hmm. You know, as much as I was enjoying it, I was learning from somebody with a lot more experience. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. And, uh, well, um, what, have you uh, you got any shows coming up lately? Um, I'm going to try and get down to New York on Saturday. Um, okay. Marissa Smith has a. Uh, so at Otto's, the first yeah, Saturday, right? a small tiki bar in New York City that has some of the best shows in New York. I mean, yeah, fashionably so often be people. Have they, anybody ever told you about that place? What fashionably funny uh, productions? No, fashionably funny is her other. Fashionably funny is usually at is at Broadway Comedy Club and Greenwich oh, oh, Village. Okay. Okay, this so one is uh, Merriment and Mortification. It oh, started out as kind of a. Like a haunted costumey kind of thing, and it's just grown to be a very reliably great show. It's free, no no admission. Yeah. Um, they often have headlining comics coming in to work on things earlier in the night, and then they'll go off to their their headline gigs. And it's a difficult spot because it's six o'clock on a Saturday, so it's somewhat oh. early for people that are planning on going out. But it's it's always been amazing. Right? What's that? It's on 14th Street. 14th Street between Avenue A and B. Yeah, I never um, forgot. I did a show there a couple times, actually, and uh, I never forgot the name. Otto's Shrunken Head. Otto's Shrunken Head. That's the first And it has, uh, they have tiki bar drinks with special glasses. And yeah. There's often, there's something there almost every night. If you go on their uh, Facebook page or their website, like usually following us, there'll be uh Sometimes surf music, surf guitar music. That was. Uh, I had friends come to a comedy show and they stayed for the music afterwards and realized that they loved surf music, which they had never really heard before. They stayed till one o'clock in the morning. <laughs> and uh, there's a, co- a promoter named Unsteady Freddy, who was uh, quite a guy of his own. And it's cool because you do comedy and you're, there's a drum kit behind you as you're performing. The drum kit's always there. Yeah, I, I, I remember that. Pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, and also, I also remember because of the name, Otto Drunken Head. And I was like, oh, that's the first time like any woman passing this place would be like, I'm not going in this place. We don't, that's, you don't want to hear about a shrunken head. Yeah. I'm just saying. not satisfying. <laughs> no, no. So I never forgot the name, but it was, fun. it was a fun event. I always wanted to perform there, and I was kind of glad that I found a way in because I had, I don't know, I somehow had heard about it because I looked up lists of, like, bars that you have to go to, you know, they're funky places. Up the same street is a place called Beauty Bar, mm-hmm. and it has comedy in the back, and it actually has a a beauty salon. In the, it's not really a whole salon, but I think you can get your nails done mm-hmm. while you're sitting in the bar having a drink. Really? Kind of yeah, same same 14th Street, a little further up the block. That's fine. So yeah. it's like yeah. So if, that, if that's on your to-do list, if you want to go out and have a cocktail while you're getting your nails yeah. done, I get my nails. Comedy. I'll catch some. You go to beauty bar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. Wow. So uh, so have you seen all today's uh, headlines going on, huh? Yeah, I was just catching up. That's what I was doing before I spoke to you, uh, Matt Lauer. And Garrison Keeler, who is like uh, your grandfather, basically. Uh-huh. Uh, I know, he, no, touched no. A woman, he touched a woman to comfort her on her back. <laughs> and now he's gotten contacted by a lawyer. So I kind of wonder if I'll ever date again. I kind of think no at this point. <laughs> at this point, it's a wrap. Well, listen, it's funny because... Um, Everybody is coming out of the woodwork now that they were, that, um, you know, that they, these people, I'm like, they've been creeps. I don't know why the women waited so long to say anything. Exactly. I had the same conversation problem. with a friend. He's like, why don't the, why isn't it called out when it happened? 
my perspective on that though is not even that like I'm not shame victim and shaming the, the victim because obviously you know no no I can understand just, that but but what I'm saying is hello you didn't give a shit about the other victims so now all of a sudden we're supposed to give a shit about you you didn't care about the next kid that came behind you and the next young yeah the next young yeah. girl came up that was impressionable that might have been you know suicidal and now she's all screwed up or all these. You know, wait till all the celebrities, um, the musicians. Like, I think Keisha was definitely victimized. Um, Brittany, mm-hmm. all of those. I think every last one of them that's made it to the top has been victimized by somebody at some point. They just don't want to tell it. It's weird how power corrupts people. Well, yeah, but, I mean, um, it's a bad thing, but as soon as people get position of power, and I hate to say, sorry, man, but especially men, that's the first thing they do is like. Yeah, um, oh, like, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, it, Excuse me, take that back. That's the, if they're a creep, excuse me, if they're a creep, that's the first thing they do. So if they're regular great people, that that doesn't matter if they have power or not. So I want to make that clear. I'm not saying every yeah. man does that. It's a, a man who's already a creep and who already has issues um, will definitely use this as a way of saying, hmm. I mean, Matt Lauer, really? Katie Couric said a, a year ago, um, they asked her what was the, when she was doing the Olympics. They said, well, what's the worst thing your boss has ever done? You know, Matt Lauer, what's so annoying about him? She said, well, he's always pinching my butt all the time. Uh, she said it on national. And now they're saying the staff was well aware that he always cheated on his wife. And he lived in New York and she lives in Southampton. Of course. Of course. So Hello. I mean, surprise, really? I mean, Katie, yeah. uh, one of his private, uh, prized possessions, that's why she made it to where she's got her own show. You don't think it's funny she got her own show? She, there's nothing exciting about it, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying. Oh, just, just, the list of all the women, going, I, I would not have picked her to give her her own show. But that's just me. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, everybody's got their thing. But whatever. I, I just think it's sad that all these people, are all of a sudden, I mean, they're coming in droves. It's not even like one. Okay. It's like 50 uh, you know, in two days, are now saying, yes, it was me, too. Wait a minute. Oh, yeah. They're How piling on. We just oh, had two more come up from Matt Lauer. How many? And, uh, what's the fascination with them exposing themselves? Guys are like these old guys, which, if anything, you think they'd be embarrassed. They're just dropping their pants all over town. Oh, well, it's, a lot it's of it's pants dropping going on. It's an ego thing. It's an ego thing. I have the power. Yeah. Show you, I can make a. Holly Rose, for example. I mean, a guy's seventy years old, and he's running around acting like a dumb teenager, a what drunk about, teenager. Didn't they? They didn't get Larry King yet, did they? Oh, Larry King, yeah. <laughs> you can add that to his his uh, resume. That guy's real. It seems like the creepier the people are, the more likely oh, wait, they are so to they do it. So they did get him. They did get he, him. I don't know. No, I didn't hear anything oh, about I'll him. I'll just say, please, not my Larry King. Come on, man. No, I haven't heard anything about him. Oh, okay. So we'll find out. I mean, the, the shocking to me was Charlie Rose and Garrison Keillor. I mean, then it turns out, because you don't know these people. You know them by their persona from television, you know? That's not shocking. Yeah. They seem like, excuse me, schmucks to me. And now what's shocking would be somebody like uh, Larry King, but they, uh, somebody like Weinstein's not shocking because... Uh, no, Harvey Weinstein always struck me as a creep. He just... Seems creepy. Yeah, well, he's full of his power, you know. He's drunk. Well, he's power. ugly, man. And most ugly people, or not ugly. Well, I just people. looked at the, they put a list: thirty-three powerful men, and it, and I looked at them, and to the to one, they're all pretty brutal, you know. There's a couple of guys from the Republic. It's a newspaper, I guess. Uh-huh. They look like uh, someone's idea of a mad scientist in a sci-fi film. <laughs> really. Pretty- guys, and I'm like, okay, I could see that guy being, you know, that's not surprising. And really, on the list, there really wasn't anybody that shocked me. What about, yeah. what about C.K. Lewis? A Louis C.K. Um, I kind of, I mean, going by his weird, you said you said it backwards, C.K. Lewis, like C.S. Lewis wrote Who Alice in Wonderland. What the heck is that? Louis C.K. Um, like, well, I mean, yeah, it's disappointing, oh, you know, but it's a writer. It's a again, writer. like you know, kind of a you know, just another another person. And he apologized, so now you know he did it. Unlike unlike our president, who apologizes and then retracts his apology oh, and says oh, maybe it's fake. There. First of all, 
you want to, this is bad when you know a comic like me who's only been in it three years, very short time, had heard about him, and I'm way down low on the totem pole. That's a shame. I had heard about him, but yeah. they wouldn't say his name outright. But I knew who they were talking about, and then so it didn't. And there's some people. I, see, I have a psychic reading, so I can just read people, and it's not fair. I kind of cheat because, like, I can see things in people, and I can't just walk up to you and be like, "Yeah." I knew your ass was a pervert. I saw what you did to that. Yeah. It would be creepy on my part, right? So, yeah. but I do have a theory. All these men coming out, being put out there, are all ugly ass men. Bill Cosby. Oh, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Who would sleep with him? Who? Who would, I would not find that man attractive. Now this is Denzel Washington. Now we got a deal. Matthew McConaughey. Why yeah. Can't <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'd like for one of them to like walk up and pinch my butt. You know what I'm saying? Did you see Denzel's new film where he's rocking the, the fro in the 70s? Yes, yes. I look good. He never disappoints. He's such a great actor. He really is a, a great, great actor. Really great. I, I would be devastated like if somebody, if he had, if there was a bad story about him or Tom Hanks. Actually, because they both be have nothing but, and then Keanu Reeves, the same thing. All you hear is, Secrets leak out about how good they are because you don't really hear stories like that. That's not what well, the newspapers want to focus on. I've heard a couple of stories, but not stories about being, uh, not stories of um, being perverted. But I've heard a couple of other stories, like uh, you know, former addict stuff like that. But nothing, um, nothing, you know, like abusing a girl or something like that. Um, yeah, yeah. They're cheating on the wife, but uh, nothing else. I don't know how true. Not abuse themselves primarily. That's <laughs> part of it. Oh, hey, it's Hollywood. See, guys is a different perspective for you guys, because um, I've heard guys who were abused, you know, even by women bosses, and say, yeah, they touched their butt or something. But they're not going to go up and say, my <laughs> boss touched my butt. It's like everyone. You don't hear guys complaining about stuff like that because no, we're wired differently. They should, but they should, but because then it yeah. would be more commonplace for us to believe that. Oh, this also happens to you guys too. Like, so we know it, but we don't yeah. see it or hear it. No one says that. No one walks up and says, "You know, for five years I had to go get my boss coffee, and she would, um, you know, rub against me when I walked by." No one's, no one's telling those stories, you know. So, uh, unfortunately, I never, I've never had a, uh, that kind of job. You know, so. No, no, but you know, I guess it's like the equivalent of like, you know, like me, for instance. I'm over fifty. I'm not dating right now, uh, so like you know, if a hot guy rubs up against me, I might say, "What are you doing? Let's go on a date." <laughs> you know, I don't know. <laughs> I might. Yeah, uh, I know. It's like, how is this changing? How is this going to change? Yeah, I mean, I think if you take the workplace out of it and yeah. make it just person to person, you think it's going to change the relationships, <laughs> or at least the beginning of a relationship? I think. Is it going to feel awkward? Like, I mean, you're holding hands is is fine, but when you start touching each other a little more, uh-huh. is it going to be in the back of your mind, like all this stuff, or do you think it's not going to matter? Mm. I don't drink, so you don't. I can take that excuse. Like a lot of times, I when I stop <laughs> drinking, I remember thinking, "Where well, goes that old excuse?" <laughs> yeah, no, that's uh, yeah, that's that's good that you don't drink. Miracle. Yeah, but I mean, I'm saying dating-wise, do you think uh, it's going to hamper things? Do you think it's not going to matter? How do you feel like if you went out with a, on a, with a guy that you just met, uh-huh. do you think you're going to feel differently if he starts touching you or, you know? Yeah, I don't like somebody touching me when I first meet them. I'm very funny yeah, so If I If I give you a hug, that means I feel comfortable with you, you know? As oh, a that's good, because you hug me. I hug you back. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you, my friend. Thank you, my friend. For hugging. Yeah, no, some, you know, like, you know, like you guys, my comic friends, you know, I feel comfortable enough to hug. But there's a couple yeah. of, uh, I feel like an electrical shock, like, don't come near me, you know? Uh, <laughs> just, I know it's some weird thing, but that's just me. I don't know. Yeah. So, so have you heard the latest, um, also on the affirmative action, um, Harvard might be sued, um, some um, some people are suing for discrimination. Some white people and some Asians. <laughs> really? Yep. For affirmative action, they said they couldn't get in. So, they discriminated against. I was like, wait a minute. There's only like three black people at, at Harvard. What are you being discriminated against? 
Oh, I didn't hear about that one. Yeah, today. I just saw it on the news about five minutes ago. Collins. Yeah. It's crazy. It's, it seems you, people are so... Nowadays, you know. I guess it's a good time to be a lawyer. Yeah, it's just... I, 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 business. Tell, correct me if I'm wrong. I, people call in. If you're listening, call in and let us know. But if you if you um if they made affirmative action because of Jim Crow laws and slavery, they had to come yeah. up with something in order for black people, African Americans, Native Americans, whatever you want to call them, to be able to enter into certain institutions. That's why they made it. Okay, they still kept them in place because there's still people right now, Donald Trump, um, who don't feel like they want to um, advance African Americans for any reason, even if they have a degree, don't have a degree, it doesn't matter. They don't want to put them in their college, their college clubhouses and all that stuff. So this still is in effect. So they have to put it in effect because if they don't, you really will be back to the Jim Crow era. So now how yeah. are you going to come back and say, well, I'm Asian. First of all, here's my thing on that. You got reparations. We didn't even get that. Okay, so let, let's, let's call affirmative action at least that, a little piece of it, if you want to call that. Yeah, the beginning. That. And yeah. then as far as being white, I think that you can get yourself into pretty much anything you want to if you're clever enough. Not saying all, but you probably could more likely than if I could. I'm just saying. It's not fact, and, and I think I am pride myself on saying I don't really care what someone's walls are. I usually go in there thinking I'm going to break them down or at least yeah. not let them stop me. You know what I'm saying? I mean, in a sense, letting that go on is the right thing to do because, in a sense, like you said, it's a very small part of reparations. Yeah. People want to have excuses for what they can't get, and that's why they're doing that, you know? Yes. I, I had a friend that applied to be a fireman, and he was upset because – they ended up hiring a Hispanic woman. Oh, and really? Said, That's a miracle. Why, why do you, why, I go, they're covering, you know, they're getting a, a woman first, which they had, I don't think they had any women in the fire department. No. So it's a, is that a fire woman, I suppose? Is that a fireman? Mm-hmm. And, you know, they didn't have a, enough or, uh, you know, to, uh, for Hispanic people to represent in, in, in a largely Hispanic community. I've so never, I don't, I don't have a problem with it, you know? I really well, don't. I, well, I would. I mean, here's the thing. I think that whoever's qualified should get it. Um, and I think that the only time that you know, if if they have absolutely, I mean, you can't tell me that you have, um, you know, 500 people on your police force and that not one qualified that was African American. That's that's when it's like mm, we got problems here. So that's why. I, that's the only reason why I agree that they should still have affirmative action, because if you don't have it, man, people will... And also, that's that's the liaison to the community. And if you have a bunch of only white cops running around in a predominantly black neighborhood... Yes, which you always... It it sends a bad signal, and it, you know... I mean, granted, there are some amazing cops that cross the barrier anyway, just because of their heart. You know, I saw a story of a cop that saw a woman that was walking two hours to work every day, he took his own money and went to a dealership, and the guy gave him a break, and they bought her a car for $4,000. Not a great car because he's not making yeah. a lot of money. That's and they nice got idea. her a car. She was crying. She was so happy, you know. Oh, and nice. it was a great story, but you didn't hear it, you know. You had to no, dig really a lot, deep. A lot of stories you don't hear because, you know, there's just a lot of crap going on with false news, blah, blah, blah. But I, we know there's good cops out there, and I know there's good cops out there. And and the one that's bad is probably one out of like you know out of a hundred, you know it's not every. Yeah. I've, had, I've had bad bad incidents twice with a cop, so I you would think I would be opposite, but I I know there are some good people. I have a great uh, neighbor that's an awesome cop, and I was so happy he's on the NYPD. My sister's father was a cop, uh, NYPD. So you know I have a I have a half affection for for most of them. I just worry about some of the ones who who do yeah. police in the inner city area and they're coming from like Long Island, you know what I'm saying? And they, and they're yeah. going into inner city and they ain't never been around black people in their lives. That bothers me. That's very, yeah. very yeah. worrisome because, you know, you'd be thinking like, um, they're not, they're kind of looking at me like I'm a, like I'm an animal instead of like a human. So that's yeah. my problem. But, it's a horrible way to feel. I think. Yeah. But I mean, enough about them. Um, what do you think about, did you hear about the Grammy awards that, 
this uh, Jay Z was up for um, what does it say? He was up for for uh, an award, and uh, what's it? Kendrick Lamar and somebody else, African American. So people were saying, why are all the black people up for awards? And uh, and someone said, duh, because the talented they were talented. <laughs> yeah. No, I was just fascinated that he was talking about cheating on his wife. I mean, she's pretty much many people's ultimate fantasy woman, and he he right. cheated on her and he was talking about it. I know. It's um, like, dude, how are you going to cheat on that? That was shocking. That yeah. was shocking. I mean, they, they well, both kind album, of. Her album was about him cheating, Eliminate. Yeah, and he was talking about listening to it. Like, he goes, well, the best place to be in a hurricane is in the center of the hurricane. So he's listening to her music about how she felt, and she's listening to his, about the, you know, his feelings. I thought that was an interesting, awkward oh, wow. way to communicate, and they both get Grammys out of their pain. So yeah, everybody be so lucky, that. you know. Yeah, I think it's clever. I mean, you know. Yeah. Hey. Yeah, I mean, there's there's always art and angst, and you know, and sure enough, but I just I don't know. It's just funny that not funny, but it's kind of sad that somebody that's the ultimate she still gets cheated on. I know. Yeah. Well, that's any that's that's the thing about it is that you know there there if your if your guy is a cheater, um, and he's just that's just what he does. It doesn't matter how beautiful you are. He's never yeah. ever faithful ever ever. You could wear, you know, La Perla, high heels, shoes, lace, um, thongs, whatever, and it would still will not matter in the end because that's what his nature is. And so I, yeah. I learned early on when I pick a guy that I like, I really don't pick guys that like strippers, guys that like um, the frequent clubs, you know, those clubs, because that they're, that means they have a high appetite already. And so I don't yeah. like being competitive with anybody. So I'm going to already be in a competition. Why, would I, why am I going to go? You was somebody who loves the internet more than than physical. Somebody really there. That doesn't make sense to me. So it's okay. It's Another thing I was I was considering when, with this whole situation, mm-hmm. um, you know, trying to look at it psychologically, mm-hmm. and the 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 way the popularity of porn as far as like it migrating into people's minds and like it's so accessible now. Mm-hmm. And I wonder I, if, you know, in a way that has something to do with it because it's like it's sexualized men way more than they were before. Yes, absolutely. Uh, you know, it's almost like they start thinking that that's their reality, yep. you know, cause you, and now it's like they're acting like they're in a, a porn video and they're just like, oh, this is what a guy in a porn does. <laughs> you know, like they drop their pants and they expect it to... to you know, the woman to look at it like it's the winning lottery ticket. <laughs> Not realizing those are actors and actresses, you know. Like Willy Wonka. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, oh, look, it has a golden light on it. Now, you're a creepy old guy that I work for, actually. It's not as exciting as you would hope, you know. I, you know, I thought about that, too, what, what that could contribute. I think a lot of it, you know, is... Well, also, you got... What about... Uh... And they got that doll. Remember, I told you, Jenny is thirty thousand dollars, and you could pay ten thousand. Oh, the, the love dolls. Yeah, they just wrote yeah, about well, that I again in Wired. Uh, they're thinking by twenty twenty that that'll be a like a regular thing. You know, that's horrible. I googled it. Well, actually, actually, I take the back. It's actually kind of good. Like, cause if you're a serial killer, I'd be like, instead of being like, I'm going to find Jamar's size ten, it's like you could just buy a Jenny doll and be like, I want a size ten, red hair. Jenny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it'd be like Jenny. Yeah, so now you will do less killing because you know because you got your Jenny doll. Well, you so hope maybe, you hope so. You know, we hope that it helps serial killers. That one guy, but I don't know if serial killers have that kind of coin. Maybe it'll be discount yeah, Jennies. I think it'll be perfect. Yeah. They can keep their butts in their house and never come out. <laughs> there was a uh, documentary on, on a guy at Lars. Uh, they made a movie, Lars and the Real Girl, but it, there was also behind the scenes a real story of a guy. And it was kind of sad because he was lonely and he had gotten fixated on this doll. But like you said, he took him off the streets. So, I don't know. That's I think it's kind of be weird if you saw somebody. There's a guy that lives near me that has a mannequin looking out his window. And I always wondered if that's his Friday night date or he's just doing it to be funny. <laughs> 
Uh, no, and he actually, you know what he does? He he has bees, and he he makes uh, harvest honey. And I was actually at a at a house doing some remodeling, and they had honey. And the guy says, "Oh, look, this is from near your house, and it's from his house." And I said, "Oh, that's the guy with the mannequin." And they looked oh. at me like, "What?" <laughs> and he's right around the corner. It's weird in the summer when you go by the house, all the bees are out, you know, outside those boxes. Oh my but God. they stay. You know, you're not messing with the hives; they don't mess with you. That's right. Don't mess with me. I won't mess with you. And there's a mannequin looking out the window, so you can kind of hustle along. That's you know, creepy. That might be like the handmade tail or something crazy. I don't know. That's really I've heard creepy. stories of people putting mannequins so they can drive in that 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 special lane, you know, commuter lane. <laughs> have two what lane would that be? Uh, you put a you put a mannequin in your seat and you buzz along. <laughs> this guy has it sticking out the window. It's topless too, so she's a sexy mannequin. <laughs> and she's got like she's a kind of waving, you know. <laughs> yes. Okay, I got it. Well, listen, Murph. Guess it's, what? Um, our half an hour is already up. Can you believe it? Uh, time flies when it's, it's oh, time, you Cooper. So many questions, questions to ask. So we can check right. you Saturday at Otto's Shrunken Head on 14th Street. Otto's Shrunken Head, six o'clock. Uh, host Tommy Callen. You know Tommy. Yeah, I love Tommy. We go to. Uh, Molly Splane, he's going to be hosting and uh, got a bunch of good comments. If you go on uh, Facebook, Merriment and Mortification, you can see the lineup and okay. get any, uh, any, if you forget where the place is, you can look it up. Come on yeah. down, have a drink with an umbrella, yes. and uh, hang out and have some laughs and get your Saturday Will started Mar- right. Will Marissa yeah. be there? Oh, yes, she will be. She'll be performing yeah. and... Awesome. Keeping it all together, and um, who else is going to be there? Uh, okay. So awesome. Rodney, Rodney Daniels, her, her podcast oh, partner. Is gonna be there. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I love Rodney. Awesome. And I really didn't recognize anybody else. What's great for me, too, is I get to meet a lot of new comics every time I go. Yeah. Um, Gregory Hall is going to be there. A lot of good comics. It's going to be a good time. Good. Well, You're crazy you if you don't go. You'd be crazy. Yeah, I hope you have fun. I'll be packing gift boxes for Age Out Foster Youth for Foster Kids Unite that. Oh, you're such a good person. Oh, I got to I got to step up my good person game. That's my Quaker side. <laughs> yeah, well, have a great time and uh, thanks for calling. I appreciate the effort. Yeah, we thank and you so much for being our guest, uh, and we'll talk you're to welcome. you again. Yeah. All right. Thanks a lot. Have a great evening. All right. Thank you. That was uh, comic mate James Murphy. Uh, and you've been listening to On the Town. I'm your host, Tanya, and we will check you out next week. Until then, um, hey, have a great night.